Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. My name is George Scott, Editor-in-Chief of Bike Radar, and today we're bringing you one of our news roundups, and I'm joined for that by Liam, our road and gravel presenter over on Bike Radar's YouTube channel, and Nick, digital writer and an expert on all things mountain biking on BikeRadar.com. Liam, I'll start with you. How are you this morning? I'm very good. Uh, usually when someone asks me doing like some kind of sound test or something, I usually have to say what I've had for breakfast. I won't bore you with that, but I am very, very good. You've teased the audience now. I mean, was it an interesting <laughs> breakfast? Oh God, what was it? Crumpets. Cause I'm going through a crumpet phase right now. They're just good. And you can load them with, like, I butter them like four times and then basically drink some butter for breakfast. It's great. <laughs> very English breakfast. And, and yeah, one for our American listeners, they're very English of you. And Nick, we'll move on to you. How are you this morning? Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you. Um, in terms of breakfast, I'm filled <laughs> up with croissant today. So maybe one for the French audience out there. So continental. Thank you. I think that's the first for the podcast, starting with the breakfast chat. Mm. Liam, I know you've been out and about a bit recently, so before we get into the meat of today's podcast, where have you been riding and what have you been riding? Right then, where have I been riding? Yesterday I was on Salisbury Plain, and if you knew the weather kind of yesterday, which was uh, Tuesday, it was raining sideways, which is just not what you want on Salisbury Plain. Um, So we were all huddled under an umbrella, um, trying to protect the camera, trying to film some things, and I basically sprinted up and down a gravel road for quite a lot and then I was also over in Dorking which is another famous location for cycling I think um, I was riding the specialized Cirrus this is the new bike which we're going to talk about in a bit indeed it is uh, and Nick we're going to you I know that you've been uh, out in Spain recently for a bike that we can't yet talk about and perhaps we can in a couple of weeks 
Uh, that aside, what have you been up to on the bike? Uh, well, well, recently I've been to Antistiniog, um, so I'm North Wales based myself, so not too far away from home. And yeah, went taking a specialised enduro down there. Had one slightly hairy moment coming down where I bent a Crank Brothers crank uh, pedal arm. So now that's an L shape. How? Ah, I think I just hit a stone, but the shoe I was using, which again, Crank Brothers, you know, protected the toes, but the pedal took the Oof. took the issue. Was it Shimano that years ago um, had a, an L shaped crank? Have you just brought that back inadvertently? Possibly, yeah. What you've brought up <laughs> is the Road CC article that never dies. And it's, oh, when I worked there, we used to roll it out every year, and just the comments were fire. No surprise that product didn't uh, stand the test of time, but um, hopefully you can sort your crank out now. Yeah, I think it'll be a replacement. Uh... A replacement job. <laughs> yeah. a, a very big sorry. Sorry. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully. Well, Liam, as you mentioned, you went up to Specialised UK in, in Dorking recently to look at the new Specialised Cirrus, and that is topping our running order for today. But we're also going to talk about a Shimano direct mount derailleur patent that Nick uh, discovered earlier this week. Another story that Nick discovered was the new Cannondale Habit alloy trail bike. And finally, we'll finish with a new Canyon Aero that I spotted at Strada Bianca a few weeks ago. We don't know too much about it at the moment, but that is one of the key models in Canyon's range. And Matteo van der Poel went on to win Milan Sanremo on that bike. We'll cast our eyes quickly over what we know about the new Canyon Aero. Liam, let's start with the Specialized Cirrus because that is one of the wackiest bikes that we've seen for some time. So can you describe to our listeners what is going on there? Well... First of all, we should admit that we thought this was the new Roubaix when we saw tech drawings. It's kind of not. It's um, a flat bar hybrid city bike. Um, they've given it some pretty big tyre clearance. Uh, you can fit about 42 millimetre tyres in there. Um, that opens it up to some gravel. They've done a kind of gravel build with one of them and then just like a commuter build for the other. The big news here is that we have a new thing. We have a frame feature and it's called a compliance zone, which is, it's not like Specialized to miss a marketing opportunity, is it? A, a catchy name. It's not, but it is feature. a really interesting design because it is. the seep tube disappears. It does. It it juts off. It, it goes forward where you would expect it to go down. About halfway down the seep tube, it kinks forward towards the down tube. This leaves a massive hole. Apparently, this is great for frame comfort, vertical compliance. That's that's basically what's going on with this bike. We should say that we've covered this extensively on BikeRadar.com. So if you want to uh, look at some images of the bikes, it is really interesting and much easier to visualize. Then do seek out the, the article and the opinion piece that Liam uh, wrote on that, which we'll come on to soon. And also the video that you presented on our YouTube channel, so youtube.com forward slash at bike radar, and you can see exactly what we're talking about. But Liam, also run us through some of the additional features on this bike and, and why it's particularly interesting, because we don't necessarily cover a huge amount of commuting bikes on the podcast. So um, much like the old bike, you have Future Shock uh, 1.5 up the front. That's their 20 millimeter of travel just in the kind of head tube area. It's meant to, you know, improve comfort over, you know, your traditional city roads where there are cracks in the pavement, potholes, drain covers, and all of that. You've still got rack and guard mounts. Um, they're relatively specific guards and racks that you need to use with this bike, but that still means that it's a, a commuter bike um, through and through. Um, 
that that really is it. In terms, most of it is the new frame, um, and maybe the most surprising thing about this bike is that Specialized has has continued with the gravel um, build with the flat bar, because traditionally we think of gravel bikes as being drop bar bikes. But but this one, flat bar bike, maybe it's more appealing to a wider range of riders than a, a drop bar bike would be. Do you think we're going to see a drop bar variant in the future? I mean, I'd really hope so. Um, I I didn't note it down in our little notes, but I did see someone in the YouTube comment sections under our video suggested that the frame hole that Specialized has created could be a, a place where you could fit, uh, fit the Shimano gearbox do you guys remember that yeah that was another that was a pattern that we uncovered a couple of years ago that hasn't seen the light of day since then but not yet could be being worked on in the background how cool would that be though oh perfect for long tours out also someone has suggested fitting um a lau fork to this bike and can you imagine the frame shapes (laughs) it would be incredible because it is a very unconventional shape, and it's a, it's mm. effectively almost a, a leaf spring like design. It's very flat in that junction where it juts out from the the bottom of or what is now the bottom of the seat tube and, and connects with the down tube. You only got a very short ride on it for filming purposes when you went up to to Dorking to visit to visit Specialized UK. But any first impressions from that brief excursion out onto the lanes of Dorking? Um, very very hard to tell. I did spend. Um, a silly amount of time riding up and down uh, the lanes trying to bounce around on the saddle to to see if it would move and I I don't want to draw any conclusions just because we had such a short amount of time you would probably need to test this and an old Cirrus back to back with the same kind of tyre size and pressures to see if that uh, compliance zone is actually working um but it's still it's still a very fun kind of city bike. It's flickable. It's borderline twitchy, which I really like in the city because you get that great handling that you probably need around, you know, if you're taking lefts, rights. I don't want to say dodging in between cars, but there will be some maneuvering around <laughs> vehicles to do. Um, but yeah, that, those are my kind of impressions. It's just still a very, very nice city bike to ride hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price Got your happy price, price line. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. It's worth saying with the the technology and the development that has uh, gone into this, 
over the past couple of years and the fact that, that it's based around a carbon frame. This is a, a premium hybrid. So the uh, the Cirrus X 5.0, which is the, the all-road gravelly build, is £1,950 or $2,250. And the Cirrus 6.0, which is the more uh, city or road-going build, is more expensive still at £2,400 or $3,000. So, yeah, definitely the uh, the premium side of the market. Absolutely. But... Um when I was filming that bike, the thing that I could only think of really was how this might impact road bike design in the future. Now, the best endurance bikes kind of used to be wheeled out of uh, the team mechanics trucks for races like Paris-Roubaix. Um, the tyre clearances, they were wider on the endurance bikes than the team's standard road bikes. The team standard road bikes used to only fit like a 23, 25 mil tire. It was tiny. But even aero bikes now offer room for anything up to like a 32, maybe even even wider. And that's like ample clearance for the, the cobbles of Roubaix, Flanders. So teams and riders are kind of reaching for those endurance bikes less and less as a result for maybe braver brands willing to kind of design a mass market machine that can't be raced in the UCI events endurance bike design might just be freed up from the shackles of the UCI frame regulations. I was about to to, to sound the UCI <laughs> klaxon then. Oh, they have got a massive button that they are going to hit. The siren the siren rings around the podcast studio whenever we mention <laughs> UCI tech regulations. Um, what are the issues there with the current UCI tech re- regulations that would stop a design like this featuring in a UCI-sanctioned event? Basically, the UCI... In, in very simple terms that I can understand, the UCI dictates that a frame design has to be built around a main triangle. So that, you know, the main area of your bike has to be triangular in its shape. We see some variations on this. You think that Trek Madone has that hole in the seat tube. Cannondale had, um, on the old synapse, they had a kind of two-pronged design coming out of the bottom bracket. There, There is a little bit of room for manoeuvre, but this is most definitely not a main triangle design. It's fair to say as well as, as, well as the UCI regulations is one big blocker to this being adopted on a road bike, even if it is a bike like the Specialized Roubaix, which is designed for mass market endurance riders as opposed to racers these days. And that is the fact that you can't fit a front derailleur when there's no seat tube to fit a front derailleur on. Yes. That, when we thought that this frame design was going to be a new Roubaix, that was our big red flag. Um, the, the thing that I would point to is maybe Classified's power shift hub. Um, that could be an answer. This is basically a, a two-speed rear hub that basically effectively replaces your front derailleur. Um, will big brands like Specialized jump on board with that system who knows um but i think with systems like that there is uh, scope for that hopefully absolutely and and this is a really interesting bike from specialized clearly at the moment it's focused on the commuting and urban and fit- fitness market but we've also seen in recent times the rondo rut which is a prototype but due to be launched later this year which has a very similar design with the bottom of the seat tube missing so clearly we've got two brands here that are thinking along the same lines or similar lines. And if the market 
firstly, if it performs as we expect, and there is a, a noticeable difference in comfort, particularly considering the, the price tag on this bike. And secondly, if there's an appetite from the market, because the, the comments on our YouTube video are quite divisive, clearly it's not everyone's cup of tea, but there's a lot of people saying it's a very cool looking bike, which I would agree with. Then it would be interesting to see, do we see more gravel bikes with a similar design as, as we are with the Rondo Rut, that is a gravel bike. And also beyond the road bike market, which is constricted by the UCI, as you say, whether there's an application in XC mountain biking, where you don't need a front derailleur, most bikes are one by these days, and um, you need a lightweight carbon fiber frame that's comfortable, that might not have rear suspension if it's a hardtail. So yeah, really interesting this bike, and we're keen to get one in and, and just see how it performs on the, the roads around Bristol, but also to keep an eye on what other frame manufacturers might be up to. Yeah, watching the UCI's um, frame application site which is the dullest website you can go on but also very interesting that will be one to keep an eye out on it would and we will do that and we'll let you know if we hear any more let's move on from the specialized cirrus and move on to the cannondale habit nick this was a bike that you spotted on cannondale's website that hasn't yet been launched officially anyway so what do we know so far yeah so the 140 130 mil trail bike habit uh, popped up on the cannondale website the end of last week um, before any of the press really thought it was going to be coming out or the official launch was released. Um, and firstly, the first two bikes listed were the Habit 4 and the Habit 5, um, which is sort of the entry-level sort of aluminium models. Um, at the same time, though, the carbon models were delisted from last year, well, the previous generation's bike, so suggesting possibly that we're going to see a carbon habit down the line. Um, the new frame's a lot more aggressive, I'd say, stylistically than the previous model. So the top tube features a bit of an angular kink, um, not too dissimilar to that of a Mondraker, but without the sort of complex headset of a Mondi. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think looking at the geometry charts, it's looking a little bit more aggressive in terms of that as well, with the 65.5 degree head angle opposed to the 66 on the previous model. I think there could also be something in there for the, the mullet lovers, so MVUK's Will Self might be happy because we're still seeing a 27.5 and a 29-inch version. Um, so the extra small version of the of the bike's going to be using a 27.5-inch front and rear, whereas, again, with the previous model, all the extra sizes are going to be 29-inch. Um, we're also seeing an update on the rear derailleur hanger. So a lot of Candales have previously not been using Trams UHD. So we're seeing an improvement there. So maybe towards towards a more sort of standardized system and allowing it to use maybe SRAM's new T-type axis. Um, but other than that, it's hard to say. We've only seen two pictures of two bikes, so hopefully we'll see some more down the line. So with the geometry, it's fair to say that Canada have made it a little bit more progressive and, and following the trend for a, a slacker head angle in, in the most part. Yeah, it certainly looks like a more capable trail bike and whether that'll be, you know, come across and maybe more travel options in the future, it's hard to see, but... I think it's going to be quite an exciting bike when it comes out. So for the uninitiated, someone like me who's uh, typically seen on a skinny tired bike, but very rarely a mountain bike, where does this sit in the Cannondale range, the, the Habit? Yes, yeah, so this is the trail bike. So the, the top top travel is the Jekyll, um, which is sort of one well 180, I think, these days. This is a sort of a 140 trail bike. Um, so it's the first full suspension bike that isn't a scalpel, which would be the XC bike. Um, we've seen a Scalpel SE released last year using 120 mil front and rear and 140 mil on the front. So it's sort of mid-range trail bike, sort of maybe pushing to wall mountain. Great. Well, we'll keep a close eye on this and see if there is an official launch from Cannondale. 
As you say, it's only the aluminium framed version on the site at the moment, but perhaps we can expect a carbon model in the future. Uh, and actually, if you listen to a recent podcast with our mountain bike tech team where they discussed the tech trends that they just can't stand, then this one will, will appeal to Tom Marvin because, as he said, carbon frames just aren't for him when it comes to mountain bikes. So he'll be all over that Cannondale habit alloy. But more to come on this one. We don't know a huge amount at this stage, but a great spot from Nick. You mentioned there as well, Nick, the, the compatibility now with the SRAM UHD, which is SRAM's universal derailleur hanger, UDH. Um, that's very re- relevant at the moment because SRAM has moved that tech on. Um, UDH was released, what, two, three years ago, 2019, I think now. Yeah. And that set up the move to the SRAM T-Type Eagle transmission, which launched last week with a direct mount rear derailleur. We've covered that on the podcast previously. Do check out Alex's interview with one of SRAM's product managers for the development story on that. But more significantly in terms of this week's podcast, you also spotted Nick a Shimano patent, which looks like um, Shimano are working on a similar design of their own when it comes to a direct mount rear derailleur. Yeah. If you've not seen this article, it's probably worth looking to understand and visualize just how similar this looks to SRAM's T-Type. But essentially, it features a sandwich connection on the rear dropout, um, sort of a cage design with two limbs hanging off the derailleur. Um, which Shimano says in their pattern is going to be used for actual structural rigidity. Um, and similar to the T-type, that has obviously proved to be incredibly strong um, with many riders sort of hanging off it and SRAM sending it into walls. So, yeah, and even myself, I've had the opportunity to do the influencer challenge of standing and jumping on the rear <laughs> derailleur on the on the bike I tested in Spain a couple of weeks ago. Um and I think even Alex Evans had a little little jump on it as well in his review. Um, so you've broken a crank recently, but not the derailleur, crucially. Yeah, well, that lives up to Shram's claims. Um, but yeah, so this pattern, I think the, the most notable thing looking at it is, you know, the shift away from derailleur hangers and the increased usage of using the rear axle as a centre for running the derailleur around. So the new design is mounted on the rear derailleur uh, on the rear axle um with it screwing in similar to the t-type design um but i guess my biggest question is what we're going to see you know if we're going to have a standard or whether we're going to have you know group set specific bikes oh if if shimano and sram haven't come together and had a word and made this universal i'm gonna flip I think I might just boycott cycling. <laughs> so, so the issue here is that T-Type requires SRAM's universal derailleur hanger and the Shimano patent works in a similar system whereby, as you say, the derailleur centres around the axle. Yeah. So what we want is the SRAM system, the UDH, to be a universal system, a global system, so that regardless of whether you want T-Type or, or Shimano system, if they do ever release one, you don't, as you say, have to buy a, a frame specific to the group set because that would be an absolute nightmare. Surely they won't do that, Liam. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's oh, chuckling. I can, I can see it. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, can you imagine having like, oh yeah, I'd like to use the Canyon Air Road or something, but oh no, it's got a it's got a Shimano. Yeah, well, we hanger. could see you know bike specific group sets, I guess. So brands more aligned with SRAM. And maybe more aligned with Shimano might be taken off on different foots. I would hang up my cleats if that happened. I'm going to take up running. What do you need? A pair of trainers done. <laughs> I, I, I personally would be surprised if that happened. I, th- I think both would surely be narrow in their market. Yeah. Um, Shimano is the bigger of the two brands. 
across the board, but SRAM has become the dominant force in mountain biking in recent years. So I think both brands can surely see a benefit in, in coming together and deciding on a, a universal standard, which you would assume would be SRAM's UDH because that's what's on the market now. But we'll see. And, and the big question remains as to whether this is something that actually Shimano are actively pursuing or it's just a patent that they filed because that happens all the time. Brands, brands protect, protect the designs they're working on, but they perhaps might not see the light of day. Um, so we'll see. But this certainly hints at the future direction of drivetrain development. And actually, I'm just going to throw this one forward to you, Liam. We've seen, we've seen SRAM T-Type launch on the mountain bike side. SRAM Red, as the road group set, is overdue an update on the road side. Can you see a direct mount derailleur come into a road group set? Oh, it would be the ideal time for SRAM to bring this into the road market. Your problem there is that you're introducing all types of frame compatibility uh, compatibility issues. The Force group set didn't use it, the UDH, which always sounds wrong to me. I want to say UHD. Um, but would they would they release that and then bring out read that something different i also struggle to see that who knows so what so what we're looking for first essentially is the universal derailleur hanger applied to a new road frame design mm. and that would potentially suggest that a direct mount road group set is coming to the market but you need that direct you need that hanger um, compatibility on the frame before anything else is going to happen yeah i and i haven't seen anything regarding that yet the only question i would have is whether sram has made some kind of adapter for its current road stuff whether it would make an adapter to udh that might be a way that they can kind of granddad it in yeah maybe possibly we could also see it maybe trialed well i say trialed on gravel bikes to start with because i think in terms of the access setup people are using tram access are using mountain bike rear derailleurs with SRAM red or, well, SRAM ax- road axis mm. shifters. That's a great point. So on a, on a mullet setup, effectively on a gravel bike, you've got a mountain bike cassette and rear derailleur for the, the wide range at the back and then paired to a, a gravel or road single ring crank set at the front. So yeah, yeah it's a great point. Be interesting to keep an eye out for a, a gravel frame that's um, compatible with the uh, universal derailleur hanger. Maybe that's one to watch rather than a ro- road group set. Just before we get too far away from this topic, Nick, I, I would like to ask you, for the uninitiated, hangers are the part of the bike that is designed to break. It's the sacrificial part. If you have a crash, you knock your rear derailleur, the hanger breaks, the frame doesn't. That's the theory anyway. It doesn't always work like that. How... How is the bike frame, which is a really expensive bit, how is that protected with the new UDH system? Yeah, so the new T-type mount, um, which uses the UDH system, U- universal derailleur hanger, um, essentially the, from the frontal impacts of like from rocks or debris down the trail, it spins backwards out of the way. Um, and in terms of impact from the side, it uses a the rear axle as part of the construction. So it uses that incredibly strong, rigid part of the bike to stop any extra pressure going that way. But it's uh, it's hard to say whether we're going to see more damage to sort of frame bearings or rear triangles. I think that's something that like down the line, you know, tested to destruction, we'll have to see. 
A quick count around the room. Who has written off a frame thanks to a hanger that didn't break when it needed to? Because I've done two. <laughs> really? <laughs> I've written off a rear derailleur that very recently that sheared in half because perhaps the derailleur hanger didn't do its bit and all of that force went through the derailleur itself as opposed to the hanger. That was quite the snap, that, wasn't it? <laughs> it's quite the snap. I'm yet to fix it. It was a GRX DI2 derailleur, so saving the pennies for that one. Yeah, ouch. I did two frames in the cyclocross race. <laughs> Not the same cyclocross race, <laughs> same season. It was an expensive season. Mm. It's fair to say that first impressions of SRAM T-Type have been very positive across the board from, from almost every journalist that I've seen who's had it, and, and our Alex Evans in particular was very, very impressed. Uh, gave it a five-star review on Byte Radar. But with any new technology, of course, we'll, we'll see how it stands the test of time, and, and more to the point whether the, the technology is applied across the SRAM range, both on the uh, the wider mountain bike group set lineup and perhaps into the, the gravel and road markets. But we'll see. Big question mark over that one. And of course, we'll keep a close eye on whether Shimano have a, a similar design up their sleeves. So watch this space on that one. Great. Well, let's move on to our final uh, story in today's running order. And actually, this was a bike that I spotted at Strada Bianchi, the new Canyon Air Road. But I'm the host here, Liam, so I'm going to throw it to you. Can you tell us about this bike? Um. Well, yeah. Mostly, it's exactly the same. A in appearance as the last one. The big news here is that the seat post clamp bolt has moved from the underside of the, under the down tube, sorry, under the top tube, but on the seat tube to on top of the top tube. So the old design, and this is the same as what is currently on the Ultimate still, I think, mm. it was essentially above the uh, the drop seat stays. So the, the seat stays meet the, the seat tube roughly halfway down and then there was a, an Allen key bolt. And the intention there from Canyon was that by clamping the seat post further down the seat tube, you leave less or more, I should say, of the uh, exposed seat post uh, available to flex fore and aft, both in, in, the, in the frame, what remains of the frame, and then, of course, above the frame. But there were a few issues with that with the aero, it's fair to say. Yeah, this, this bike has a bit of a troubled <clears throat> past, bless it. So it was launched in 2020. Canyon became aware then of issues kind of that winter. The carbon posts um, in a kind of small number of bikes, and it, we must stress that it was a small number of bikes, they were experiencing excessive wear on the point that the post kind of met the seat tube, and it seemed to come from that flex that was designed into the system. A mid-cycle update in 2021 saw the seat post move to an, a kind of S-shaped design rather than running straight from the top to the bottom, while Canyon also added a cosmetic cap to the external portion of the post where it meets the seat tube, uh, sorry, the top tube. Poor old Canyon then had a load more bad press um, when star rider Mathieu van der Poel managed to break his bar in Le Samien. Uh, that actually caused a stop ride notice on the whole um, line, which was quite bad. So, not an easy start to life for the latest iteration <laughs> of the of the air road. The bar was fixed. They released a new version of that, didn't they? A reinforced yeah. version, because that's the handlebar that could split down into three parts for both for travel and to adjust the handlebar width. Yeah, they they released a, an update to that and. It's still not really clear what caused that breakage in Van der Poel's uh, bike. I remember that his father 
stated that the impact could have been worsened by an impact with a car, for example, that van der Poel had had in a race a few days earlier. And we've seen very recently with Bianchi, a bike that, uh, or, or, yeah. or a handlebar that snapped twice. Is that right? A couple of weeks ago? Yeah. Poor, oh, now, the uh, was it Hugo Hall? I can't remember. One of their riders had a, an absolute stinker of a day. Um, he crashed on the right side, uh, broke his bar. He crashed on the left side and broke his bar uh, on his spare bike. And I'm pretty sure that would have been his um, whole fleet of bikes. Maybe he took a Shimano neutral bike. It just illustrates the point that handlebars do snap them. We've diverted slightly from the, the new air road where, the, as you say, the main change is the, the seat post clamp. So that's moved into the, the top tube. It's a more conventional, or we, we think it's a more conventional wedge-based simp system accessed uh, via what looks to be a Torx bolt on the top tube. It was actually exposed on uh, Vanderpool's bike when I saw it. But apart from that, there's not a great deal new going on, as far as we can see anyway. All we can see really is that in order to accommodate the new clamp design, Canyon has tweaked the frame shape where the top tube meets the seat tube. It's kind of a more angular affair with the frame sloping at approximately 45 degrees um, just to house the wedge that we are kind of expecting to be inside. I did ask Canyon for comment on this bike and as you can imagine they didn't tell me a great deal. Were they tight-lipped? They were fairly tight-lipped. <laughs> Not that. as tight-lipped as they could have been. Um, firstly, I got a reply to the email, which is always uh, always appreciated. Um, but Ben Hillsden, Canyon's global communications manager, told Bike Radar that this is the same black prototype that we saw Matteo on in January. We also covered that story on Bike Radar, except it's a painted version, of course, for the team. And that the new clamp design is designed to uh, ease uh, access and uh, or accessibility to the to, to the clamp and also to in, improve maintenance because the previous clamp design was also susceptible to picking up a little bit of dirt because of its um, location on the back of the seat tube. As to whether we'll actually see this bike come to light in the near future, Ben told us we aren't ready to share future details about this prototype, but we can say that the real-world race feedback we received from Mathieu will help us continue providing innovative solutions for athletes and amateur racers alike. If you're a better man, Liam, when would you bet that we're actually going to see this come to light? Because it's only Mathieu Vanderpool on the team, uh, the Alperson de Koenig team who is riding it at the moment. With the so when they had the handlebar issues and they were introducing a fix for that. The new bike, the latest bike, came out or came to light just one day before the Tour de France. So, and, and, and Van der Poel was the only one on it then, I'm pretty sure. Maybe Bargy and Quintana as well. They were Canyon-sponsored back then. I would expect that if he's riding it now, Canyon's pretty close um, to go time. I would expect to see it rolled out for the Tour de France. Canyon's not daft. Like that's the biggest the biggest time for the cycling market. Surely something is is ready for then. Well watch this space and the previous bike or, or the current official version was released in October 2020. So we're approaching three years. So you know the, the development cycle of a bike can be anywhere between three and five years normally. So it wouldn't be unheard of for a new bike to be released this summer, even if it is a, a subtle change on the exterior. So we will let you know more on this bike when we have it. 
And perhaps when Canyon do share more details, they'll re- reveal any any subtle tweaks that have gone on under the surface. Perhaps they've reduced the weight of what is ostensibly their, their aero bike. Great. Well, let's wrap it up there. It's been a whistle-stop tour of news on Bike Radar this week. We've got stories on all of the bikes and products we featured on BikeRadar.com, the Specialized Cirrus, Shimano's Direct Mount Patent, the Cannondale Habit Alloy, and of course that Canyon Aero. And we will put links to all of those stories in the show notes to this podcast. Liam, it's great to have you on the pod once again. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. It's lovely to just speak instead of having to present as well. So much easier, perhaps. Oh, yeah. You're here in your pyjamas, we should say. I mean, I'm here in my pyjamas. I don't have to move my hands around at all. I haven't had to memorise any lines. It's been great. Well, it's great to have you here. And Nick as well, I know you haven't been a regular presence on the podcast in recent weeks, so great to have you back on the pod for another appearance. Yeah, thanks for having me. Brilliant. Well, we'll wrap up there. Thank you very much for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. Do please rate us on your podcast provider of choice and perhaps leave us a review. It's always appreciated. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 